Hi, I'm Eric, and this is Listen to Sleep, quiet bedtime stories to help you fall asleep. Thank you so much to everyone who left a review or reached out on Instagram and TikTok this week to say that they liked the videos I've been making there. I'm trying to put something out there that adds a little peace and calm to your world. And it just seems like I'm surrounded by so much of it here that I want to find ways to share more of it with you. So if you could use a little more peace in your day, feel free to follow along. I am at Listen to Sleep on all social media, pretty much. And as for reviews, I really appreciate those of you who take the time to do that, especially if you put one on Apple Podcasts, because that massages the algorithms and helps other people find the podcast so they can sleep better too. My biggest regret about reviews is that I can't answer you back or say thank you. People say the sweetest, most wonderful things in them, and I just always feel like I wish I could reach out and give you a hug. So to all of you who left beautiful reviews this week, thank you so much. If you're interested, there is a page on the website where you can check out all the reviews, and it's got a lot of love on it. That's at listentosleep.com. ListenToSleep.com is also where I write my blog posts. Now we're going on almost nine months of those. I think I've done one pretty much every week. And this week I was wondering, what do I want to talk about? Well, two things. It is pretty much the end of summer here. I don't think I'll be getting in the creek again. It's getting pretty cold, and because we've had so little water, there's some algae in it that makes it less than optimal for swimming in most of the swimming holes right now. But there's also something subtle about this time of the year. Like yesterday, we woke up in the morning, and it had rained gently overnight. So the entire forest, which has been dry as bone for months, released a beautiful scent that just smelled like someone had come along with the most subtle of perfumes and spritzed a little everywhere. We left the windows open all day yesterday and just enjoyed the scent. It was really, really beautiful. It's also very brown here right now. We don't have a green summer. We have a green winter. So I thought I would post a few pictures of what the beginnings of fall look like here. So if you want to see those, that's what I put on the blog this week. It's at listentosleep.com forward slash blog, or there's a link in the show notes. I want to thank everyone who supports the podcast through the Patreon and the new folks who joined this week. So thank you, Cicada, Kristen. Melanie, Donna, Cecily, Ellen, and Jill. Your support is greatly appreciated. There are almost 200 of you now supporting the podcast through the Patreon. We are 20% of the way to my goal of 1,000 patrons, which would allow me to make this 
my full-time job. In the meantime, I'm not planning on slowing down at all. Actually, I'm planning some new things for the podcast that are just a little scary for me because they're venturing out of my comfort zone, but I figure that's good for me. And hopefully it will be good for you and bring you some more peace and help you to sleep better as well. If you would like to help me meet my somewhat ambitious goal of 1,000 Patreon supporters, you can join the Patreon for less than a dollar a month at patreon.com slash listen to sleep. There's a link in the show notes as well. For that support, you'll get the podcast a day earlier with no ads or introductions. On the Patreon, you'll also find Listen to Sleep Plus, which gives you a full extra episode every week where I read from a longer book serially. Right now, we're in the middle of Peter Pan. You can get more information about all of that on the website or at the Patreon. One thing I hear from a lot of you is that you love the Norse Viking tales. And I went this week and looked around and found another book of Norse tales that I hadn't read anything out of yet. I think one of the things that's so wonderful about myths in general is that they tickle our unconscious a little and try to answer the questions that people were asking thousands of years ago. They're deep and mystical, and there's just something that makes them so right for bedtime stories. I'm really happy you enjoy them. I never wanted to do a podcast with boring stories or stories that are just pablum to put you to sleep. So I'm glad you're here for meteor stories that tickle your subconscious but still help put you to sleep. This week's story is about Odin, the all-father creator of gods and men, and a wolf that won't be tamed. Let's take a deep breath in and out. Letting go of the day, feeling the weight of gravity pulling you down into the mattress. Let's take another deep breath in and out. Nothing to do, nowhere to go. This is your time, quiet time. One more deep breath in with me. And out. If you get tired while I'm reading to you, that's okay. Just let yourself drift off. Odin and the Wolf One night, when all was quiet in Asgard, and the Aesir had gone to rest, Odin, the All-Father, sat awake on his high throne, troubled with many thoughts. 
at his feet crouched his two faithful wolves, and upon his shoulders perched the two ravens of thought and memory, who flew far abroad every day through the nine worlds as Odin's messengers. The All-Father had need of great wisdom in ruling the worlds. After thinking a long time on the matters which needed his care, he suddenly started up and went forth with long strides from his palace of Gladsheim into the night. He soon returned, leading his beautiful eight-footed steed, Sleepnir, and it was plain that Odin was going on a journey. He quickly mounted Sleipnir and rode swiftly away toward Bifrost, the Rainbow Bridge, which reached from Asgard, the city of gods, down through the air to the lower worlds. When Sleipnir stepped upon the bridge, it trembled and seemed hardly strong enough to bear the horse and his rider but they had no fear of its giving way, and Sleipnir galloped swiftly onward. Soon Odin saw Heimdall, the watchman of the bridge, riding toward him on a fine horse with a golden mane that reflected light upon the noble face of his rider. You must be bound on some important errand, Father Odin, to be riding forth from Asgard so late at night, said Heimdall. It is indeed a most important errand, and I must hasten on, replied Odin. It is well for us that we have such a faithful guardian of the trembling bridge. If it were not for you, Heimdall, our enemies might long ago have taken Asgard by storm. You are so watchful. You can hear the grass grow in the fields, the wool gather on the backs of the sheep, and you need less sleep than a bird. I myself stand in great need of wisdom in order to take care of such faithful servants and to drive back such wicked enemies. They hurried over the bridge until they came to Heimdall's far shining castle at the farther end of it. This was a lofty tower, which was placed so as to guard the bridge, and it sent forth into the land of the giant enemies such a wonderful clear light that Heimdall could see, even in the darkest night, anyone who came toward the bridge. Here, Odin stopped a few moments to drink the mead which the good Heimdall offered him. Then said Odin, As I am journeying into the land of our enemies, I shall leave my good horse with you. There are not many with whom I would trust him, but I know that you 
my faithful Heimdall, will take good care of him. I can best hide myself from the giants by going on as a wanderer. With these words, the All-Father quitted Heimdall's castle and started off toward the north through the land of the fierce giants. During all the first day, there was nothing to be seen but ice and snow. Several times, Odin was nearly crushed as the frost giants hurled huge blocks of ice after him. The second day, he came to mountains and broad rivers. Often, when he had just crossed over a stream, the mountain giants would come after him to the other bank. And when they found that Odin had escaped them, they would send forth such a fierce yell that the echoes sounded from hill to hill. At the end of the third day, Odin came to a land where trees were green and flowers blooming. Here was one of the three fountains which watered the world tree, Yggdrasil. And nearby sat the wise giant, Mimir, guarding the waters of this wonderful fountain, for whoever drank of it would have the gift of great wisdom. Mimir was a giant in size, but he was not one of the fierce giant enemies of the gods, for he was kind and wiser than the wisest. Mimir's well of wisdom was in the midst of a wonderful valley, filled with rare plants and bright flowers. And among the groves of beautiful trees were strange creatures, sleeping dragons, harmless serpents and lizards, while birds with gay plumage flew and sang among the branches. Over all this quiet valley shone a lovely soft light, different from sunlight, and in the center grew one of the roots of the great world tree. Here, the wise giant Mimir sat gazing down into his well. Odin greeted the kind old giant and said, Oh, Mimir, I have come from far away Asgard to ask a great boon. Gladly will I help you if it is in my power, said Mimir. You know, replied Odin, that as father of gods and men, I need great wisdom. And I have come to beg for one drink of your precious water of knowledge. Trouble threatens us, even from one of the Aesir. For Loki, the fire god, has lately been visiting the giants. And I fear he has been learning evil ways from them. 
The frost giants and the storm giants are always at work, trying to overthrow both gods and men. Great is my need of wisdom, and even though no one ever before has dared ask so great a gift, I hope that since you know how deep is my trouble, you will grant my request. Mimir sat silently, thinking for several moments, and then said, You ask a great thing indeed, Father Odin. Are you ready to pay the price which I must demand? Yes, said Odin cheerfully. I will give you all the gold and silver of Asgard and all the jeweled shields and swords of the Asir. More than all, I will give up my eight-footed horse, Sleipnir, if that is needed to win the reward. And do you suppose that these things will buy wisdom? said Mimir. That can be gained only by bearing bravely and giving up to others. Are you willing to give me a part of yourself? Will you give up one of your own eyes? At this, Odin looked very sad. But after a few moments of deep thought, he looked up with a bright smile, and answered, Yes, I will even give you one of my eyes, and I will suffer whatever else is asked, in order to gain the wisdom that I need. We cannot know all that Odin suffered bravely in that strange bright valley before he was rewarded with a drink from that wonderful fountain. But we may be quite sure that never once was the good All-Father sorry for anything he had given up, or any suffering he had borne for the sake of others. Odin, the All-Father, sat one day on his high air throne, and looking around him, far and wide, saw three fierce monsters. They were the children of the mischievous fire god, Loki. And Odin began to feel anxious, for they had grown so fast, and were getting so strong, that he feared they might do harm to the sacred city of Asgard. The wise father knew Loki had given strength to these dreadful creatures, and he saw that all this danger had come upon the Aesir from Loki's wickedness. One of these monsters was a huge serpent that Odin sent down into the ocean, where he grew so fast that his body was coiled around the whole world, and his tail grew into his own mouth, 
He was called the Midgard Serpent. The second monster was sent to Niflheim, the home of darkness, and shut up there. The third, a fierce wolf named Fenrir, was brought to Asgard, where Odin hoped he might be tamed by living among the Aesir, and seeing their good deeds, and hearing their kind words. But he grew more and more fierce, until only one of all the gods dared to feed him. This was the brave god Tyr. He was a warlike god, like Thor, and is sometimes called the sword god. Tyr was loved by all because he was so true and faithful. Each day, the dreadful wolf grew larger and stronger, till all at once, before the Asir thought about it, he had become a very dangerous beast. Father Odin always looked troubled when he saw Fenrir, the wolf, come to get his evening meal of meat from Tyr's hand. And at last, one night, after the wolf had gone growling away to his lair, Odin called a meeting of the Asir. He told them of his fears, saying they must find some plan for guarding themselves and their home against this monster. They could not slay him, for no one must ever be killed, and no blood must be shed within the walls of the sacred city. Thor was the first to speak. Do not fear, Father Odin, for by tomorrow night we shall have Fenrir so safely bound that he cannot do us any harm. I will make a mighty chain with the help of my hammer, Mjolnir, and with it we will bind him fast. When the Aesir heard these words of Thor, they were glad, and all went home rejoicing. All save the All-Father, who was still troubled, for he knew well the danger and feared that even the mighty Thor would find this task too much for him. But Thor seized his hammer and strode off to his forge. There he worked the whole night long, and all through Asgard were heard the blows of Mjolnir and the roaring of the bellows. The next night, when the Aesir were gathered together, Thor brought forth his new-made chain to test it. In came Fenrir, the wolf, and everyone was surprised to see how willingly he let himself be bound with the chain. When Thor had riveted the last links together, the gods smiled, 
and began to praise him for his wonderful work. But all at once, the wolf gave one bound forward, broke the great chain, and walked off to his lair as if nothing had happened. Thor was much disappointed. Still, he did not lose courage. He said to the Asir that he would make another chain, stronger still. Again he set to work, and for three nights and three days, the great Thor worked at his forge without resting. While he worked, his friends did not forget him. They came and looked on while he was busy, and as they watched the mighty hammer falling with quick blows upon the metal, they talked to Thor, or sang noble songs to cheer him. Sometimes they brought him food and drink. One visitor, who was no friend, fierce Fenrir the wolf, sometimes put his nose in at the door for a moment and watched Thor at work. Then, as he went away, Thor heard a strange sound, like a wicked laugh. At last, the chain was finished, and Thor dragged it to the place of meeting. It was so heavy that even the mighty Thor could hardly lift it, or drag it as far as Odin's palace of the Gladsheim. This time, Fenrir was not so willing to be bound. But the gods coaxed him, and talked of his great strength, and told him they were sure he would easily break this chain also. After a while, he agreed to let them put it around his neck. This time, Thor was sure the chain would hold firm, for never before had such a strong chain been made. But soon, with a great shake and a fierce bound, the wolf broke away and went off to his lair, snarling and showing his wicked teeth, while the broken chain lay on the ground. Sadly, the Asir came together that night in Odin's palace, and this time Thor was not the first to speak. He sat apart and was silent. First spoke Frey, the god of summer and king of the fairies. Hearken to me, O lords of Asgard, he said. I have not won a brave name in battle, like the noble Tyr. Neither have I done such mighty deeds as the great Thor and others of our heroes. Instead of fighting giants and monsters, I have spent most of my life in the woods, among the flowers, listening for hours to the birds 
Many things I have watched, some perhaps that my brothers thought too small to be worthy of notice. I have learned many lessons, and the greatest of them all is to know how much power there is in little things, and to see how often the work, done quietly and hidden from the eyes of men, is the finest and most wonderful. Since we cannot make a chain strong enough to bind Fenrir, let us go to the little dwarves, who work in silence and in darkness, and ask them to make us a chain. The All-Father's troubled face grew brighter as he heard Frey speak, and he bade him send a messenger quickly to the dwarfs, in order to make a chain as soon as possible. So Frey went out, leaving the Asir in their trouble, and came to his own lovely home, Alfheim. There everything was bright and peaceful, and the little elves were busy and happy. Frey found a trusty messenger, and sent him with all speed to the dwarfs underground, to order the new chain and to return as soon as he could bring it. The faithful servant found the little workmen all busy in their dark rock chambers, far down inside the earth, whilst at one side, in a lighter place, sat their king. The messenger bowed before him and told him his errand. The dwarfs were a wicked race, but they were afraid of Odin, for they had not forgotten the talk he once had with them, when he sat them down to work in darkness underground. And since that time, they never had dared disobey him. The dwarf king said it would take two days and two nights to make the chain but it would be so strong that no one could break it. While the busy dwarves were at work, the messenger looked about at the many wonderful things. The great central fire, which burns always in the middle of the earth, watched and fed with coal by the dwarfs. Above this, the beds of coal, and bright, precious diamonds, which the dwarfs took from the ashes of the fire. In another place, he watched them putting gold and silver, tin and copper, into the cracks in the rocks. And he drank of the pure underground water, which gives the Midgard people fresh springs. After two days, this messenger returned to the dwarf king. The king, holding out in his hand a fine, small chain, said to the messenger, This may seem to you to be small and weak, 
but it is a most wonderful piece of work. For we have used in it all the strongest stuff we could find. It is made of six kinds of things. The noise made by the footfall of cats. The roots of stones. The beards of women. The voice of fishes. The spittle of birds. And the sinews of bears. This chain can never be broken. And if you can once put it on Fenrir, he will never be able to throw it off. Odin's messenger was glad to hear this. So he thanked the dwarf king, and promising him a large reward, he went on his way back to Asgard, where the Aesir were longing for his return and where all rejoiced to see him with the magic chain. Now Father Odin feared that Fenrir would not let them bind him a third time. So he proposed they should all take a holiday and go out to a beautiful lake to the north of Asgard, where they would have games and trials of strength the other gods were pleased with this plan, and all set out in Frey's wonderful ship, which was large enough to hold all the Aesir with their horses, and yet could be folded up small enough to go in one's pocket. They landed on a lovely island in the lake, and after the races and games were over, Frey brought out the little chain and asked them all to try to break it. Thor and Tyr tried in vain. Then Thor said, I do not believe anyone but Fenrir can break it. Now, the wolf did not want to be bound again, but he was very proud of his strength, and for fear of being called a coward, said at last he would let them do it, if he might hold the right hand of one of the Aesir in his mouth while they bound him, as a sign that the gods did not mean to play any tricks. When the gods heard this, they looked at each other, and all but one of them drew back. Only the brave good Tyr, stepping forward, quietly put his hand into Fenrir's mouth. The other gods then put the chain around the beast and fastened it to a great rock. The fierce creature gave a leap to free himself, but the more he struggled, the tighter grew the chain. The Aesir gathered about him in joy to see this, but their hearts were filled with sorrow when they saw that their noble tear 
had lost his right hand. The dreadful wolf had shut his teeth together in his rage when he found that he could not get free. Thus, the brave Tyr dared to risk danger for the sake of saving others, and gave up even his right hand to gain peace and happiness for Asgard. Good night.